Today's reading is taken from Matthew 16, verse 1 to 12. The demand for a sign. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, "When evening comes, you say, 'You will be fair weather, for the sky is red.' And in the morning, today you will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times." A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given yet except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, "Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees." They discussed this among themselves and said. It is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, "You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand, and how many basketfuls you gathered, or the seven loaves for the four thousand, and how many basketfuls you gathered?" How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, but be on your guard against the ease of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the ease used in the bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is the word of God.、Uh, because it's God's word, why don't we pray together that God would speak to us? Our Father, thank you for your word.、Uh, thank you that you speak to our hearts.、Uh, you warn us. You correct us. You encourage us. Please, would you speak to us today now through these words and show us Jesus? In His name, we pray. Amen. Well, it's a yeah big COVID outbreak. We've hardly mentioned it. We're so used to it, but it's a incredible time in Hong Kong, right? So difficult、uh, seeing overloaded A and E. Departments,、uh, seeing you no, know, there's no place for, to put the dead bodies. It's an incredible、uh, shock to many people, and I think the biggest shock to many people is kind of how could this happen in Hong Kong? This is the stuff that we saw with kind of incompetent Western governments. This is the stuff for stupid foreigners who refuse to wear masks, right?、Uh, leaders who downplay the virus. Uh, Hong Kong was so amazing. Hardly any cases, right?、Uh, we would never be like that. And yet, in a short time, suddenly Hong Kong has know, the highest death rate、uh, of the developing world among the elderly. It's a big shock, right?、Uh, actually, Hong Kong was not immune.、Uh, we had this false sense of security,、uh, but now that's shattered. And I guess yeah, we don't want to make that mistake again, do we? Well. Today's passage is going to be a bit similar. It's not about the virus; it's about something far more serious.、Right? The most serious thing, of course, is our faith. And、uh, if you believe in Jesus, there's the glories of a relationship with Him, of eternal life, of salvation. And yet, for who those who don't believe,、uh, they're forsaken, abandoned. And Scripture is full of warnings. We just often take, don't take them seriously, right? We think that couldn't happen to us. Uh, we are busy with work. We're busy with school, and we may not actually hear what the Bible is saying to us. Well,、uh, 
uh, that's where we're going to go today. That's what Jesus is going to talk to us about. But first, as you've heard, uh, Jesus starts with an obvious bad example, right, of how, how not to respond to Jesus. Uh, we've seen a lot of responses to Jesus in this session. We've seen Herod and we've seen his hometown. We've seen the Pharisees. Well, uh, the Pharisees are back and as usual, it's not a pretty picture. Because what do we see? First of all, well, we see the Pharisees' deliberate unbelief. Deliberate unbelief. Now, Jesus, he must have had such a great time, right? He was in Gentile territory, um, did so many miracles, people got healed, people were praising the true God, uh, he fed them. What a wonderful time of ministry. But then he gets into a boat, comes back to Israel, and uh, he meets a delegation. Uh, verse 1, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, it sounds here like it's one group. Actually, those two groups were completely different in what they believed. Uh, you know, you read the Bible, you see some of the tension between them. But here, but, but they were both part of the Jewish leadership. So here is, you know, in a way, a delegation from the, from the Jewish nation. And they come to Jesus and they ask him, you know, can you do a sign from heaven, Jesus? We're still not fully sure if you're the Messiah. Could you please do a sign? Show us a sign from God, from heaven. Now, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think you can hear it, right? This is, this is not genuine. And they came, as Matthew said, to test him. They tested him. They wanted to tempt Jesus, to, to trip him up. Uh, and that is very clear from Jesus' response, right? Does he say, okay, sure, I'll do a sign? No, no, uh, no sign for you. A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, right? A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. And, and this sounds so familiar, right? Here are the Pharisees, and they are exactly like you expect them to be. Even this whole incident, it's, you know, it's a repeat from chapter 12, if you remember, and it's one and a half years ago, but here is uh, chapter 12, 38, 39. And then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Uh, exactly the same. Uh, last time, well, no, Jesus said no, and he still says no, he still rebukes them because they don't need another sign, right? Jesus has done so many signs. You read through Matthew's Gospel and there's just so many miracles, the, the healings, uh, casting out demons, Jesus teaching, uh, raising the dead back to life, uh, and now these feedings of thousands of people that happened since the last incident. You know, so many miracles, so much evidence, so many signs. And these guys are not stupid, right? Jesus, you know, he starts talking about the weather. Hey, uh, you guys know. Eh? When the sky is red, you know what the weather will be. And when the sky is red in the morning, well, this is the weather. You guys know about the sky. Now, there's a bit of a wordplay there because they want a sign from heaven. He talks about the sky. Actually, it's the same words. A bit like in Chinese. I guess you know this character. Um, tin or Tian. <laughs> Uh, it means heaven and sky. So, hey, you, oh, we need a sign from heaven. Well, you guys are so good at reading signs from heaven. But how about now? You know, 
you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. Really. Really, you can't interpret the signs of the times. Uh, the signs of the times, some people use that phrase about uh, the last, just before Jesus' return. Uh, that's not what it means, right? It's here in the Bible, this is about Jesus. What is the signs of the times? Well, look, the God's King is here. He's doing all these miracles, these healings, resurrections, casting out demons. The kingdom is here. God's king is here. And they don't see it. Uh, guys, you don't need another sign. There's plenty of signs and you're so good at reading them. This is, this is not real. right? As he say, you guys are wicked and adulterous. It doesn't mean that they're all sleeping around with other women. No, we saw already, right? Wickedness is, is inside our heart. Adultery is about turning away from God. That's why they are wicked and adulterous. They, they just don't want to believe. They've seen the evidence, but they don't want to, so they're looking for an excuse. No, Jesus, we want to have one more sign from you. We, we will not believe in you. Could be all kinds of reasons. I think for them mainly Jesus is a threat, right? He's a threat to their self-righteousness. You know, they're keeping the laws and they're feeling so good about themselves. And then Jesus comes and says that those laws do nothing and their hearts are unclean. And no wonder they don't like him. I mean, their position, right? They are the respected teachers of the law who teach everyone how to keep the rules. And then Jesus comes and, and he's taking away their position. And so they just don't want it. And we see that as well, right? Maybe you go around and you know you want to tell people about Jesus. You explain the Bible, you give reasons, you give evidence, and some people just don't want to believe. And you explain about the resurrection. Look, how do you explain the empty tomb? How do you explain uh, you know, the appearances to the disciples? Well, maybe there's a solution. I don't know. Uh, maybe Jesus had an identical twin brother who, you know, uh, no one knew about and he stole the body and pretended to be Jesus, something like that. Right? They can always find an excuse. But it's all just, just an excuse, right? Uh, yeah, no, no, there's this contradiction somewhere. I can't believe until I have this contradiction solved. It's often just an excuse. Deliberate unbelief. Uh, maybe there's a certain sin that people don't want to give up. Uh, they know what it means to be a Christian. It means, you know, giving up control of their life. And, and they don't want that. So, yeah, I, I need more proof. I need this answered. I need that answered. And I, I'm not saying that it's, it's, it's wrong to have genuine questions. But is it really genuine? I think the best way to deal with this often is uh, yeah, just ask this question. You know, if I answer this one objection, if I give you an answer, will you then believe? Will you then put your trust in Jesus? My guess is people would say, well, no, not, not really. Well, if that's the case, then what's the point in answering? A deliberate unbelief. But I think that's, you know, that's kind of, we've seen that before. That's not the most interesting thing here. You know, we just see the Pharisees again and we feel angry about their unbelief. But I think in context, this is a really significant passage. I mean, the last time Jesus told off the Pharisees, yeah, he told them off. But, you know, he was still ministering. He was still healing there in Israel. But now Jesus just had this huge ministry in Gentile territory with thousands of people being fed and people turning to the true God. And it's a wonderful time. And then he gets into the boat. End of chapter 15, right? Uh, after Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat, went to the vicinity of Megadon. The Pharisees and Sadducees come to Jesus. 
And after Jesus tells them off, verse 4, Jesus then left them and went away. You know, he goes back to Israel, and four verses later, he's in a boat again, and he's out. Right? He, can you see what Jesus is doing? He, he's, he's rejecting them. He's, kind of, he's had enough. He is, well, he's moving on. Such a short visit, right? But here comes the delegation from the Jewish nation, and they refuse to believe, and so Jesus, he just goes. He just goes away. I think that's an interesting that he says, right? No sign will be given to this generation except the sign of Jonah. Now, with Jonah, Jesus mentioned it before, and, and partly, you know, that's uh, the resurrection, right? In chapter 12, he said, well, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And Jonah, he, you know, he died and rose again. He was thrown to his death in the middle of the sea. And you can't survive that. But then three days later, he gloriously rose again. He emerged from the sea alive and well and covered in fish vomit. But yeah, glorious resurrection, right? But the thing is, what did Jonah do after that? What did Jonah do after his resurrection? Well, he went to Nineveh. He went to the Gentiles. And he preached, and they all repented, and, and, and God forgave them. While Israel at the time <laughs> was not in a very good state. Right? That's part of the sign of Jonah, I think, that, you know, Jesus will go to the Gentiles, right? And then here's a sign for you. Uh, you. You want a sign of me? Well, I'm going to the Gentiles. I'm going to die and rise again, and then the gospel will go to the Gentiles. And they're going to be God's people, and if you guys reject me, well, bye. That's what's happening here, right? And this is judgment. It's not active punishment, but Jesus is leaving them. He is abandoning them. He's moving on. You don't want me to be king? Hey, I don't need you. Which is quite a, quite a moment in, in history, right? You know, if you're reading the Bible, many of us, we've started our Bible reading. It's March, hopefully you're still going. But you see, you know, to see the nation of Israel and the promised land and the temple and... You know, you see the New Testament, it's so different. Jews and Gentiles together in churches all over the world. What's happened? Well, this has happened. Uh, the Jewish leadership rejecting Jesus and Jesus moving on. And I, and I hope that that sounds harsh, but I hope you feel it's deserved, right? This is just one little passage. But if you, you know, read Matthew from start to finish and you see the Pharisees and the Sadducees and you just think... Man, right? And then you add the whole Old Testament, and you've seen how good God has been to these people. You know, his promises to Abraham and bringing them out of Egypt, and, you know, the, giving the law and the tabernacle and the promised land and centuries of grace and promises, and then one day he comes in person to rescue them. And they don't want him. They only oppose him. They're only, they try to kill him. No. They deserve it, right? It's a rejection, it's, it's solemn, but it's, it's deserved. Jesus is moving on. Which is, I think, you know, uh, yeah, something we, we need to come to terms with, right? We, of course, Jesus is gracious, but there, there comes a time when it's, it's over. And for them, well, this is kind of when it's over. Not that we should then now kind of cheer, right? Uh, we should be warned that, uh, you know, the same thing could happen 
uh, to others. In, in Romans, right, Paul talks about the unbelief of Israel and the Gentiles being arrogant. Hey, you know, God rejected them, but he loves us so much. Well, Paul uh, gives them a little bit of warning. You know, they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. <laughs> Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you also will be cut off. And to be honest, sometimes that still happens, right? You know, you see church history, 2,000 years, and you know, the early church became the, the Roman Catholic Church, right? And it was, Rome was the center of the world. It was also powerful, and yet power corrupted. And, you know, the church moved away from the teaching of the Bible. And in a way, God left them. And then the Catholic Church in some ways is nowhere. And now, instead, yeah, the church is all over the world, all kinds of places. You know, it's just no longer the same. Jesus moves on. But, but you hear that, and then we think, well, but we are different, right? Uh, we are different. And that's what you expect Jesus to do now. Uh, he's, the Pharisees are so hostile, and he leaves them, and he gets into the boat with his disciples. And yeah, you can think him, him saying, right, hey guys, I'm so glad I'm with you. Those guys, you know, wicked and adulterous, but you guys follow me, right? You are my faithful followers, my disciples. Well, no, that's not where Jesus goes. Yeah? Verses 5 and 6. Uh, what does he say to them? Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He says, watch out, be on your guard. This is not, well, they're the bad people over there and you're the good people. No, be on guard. Be on guard for, the, for the, their, their yeast. Uh, Jesus is asking, how about you? How about you? Uh, how is your faith? Yeah, they don't believe, but how's your faith? Do, do you really believe? Jesus calls it, well, he calls it yeast, right? Now yeast, a biblical picture, uh, is this little kind of, apparently it's a kind of fungus that you put in bread and it's, it goes all around the bread and it, it makes it rise so that it becomes soft and fluffy instead of hard, right? That is, uh, yeah, that's, that's yeast. It's often a negative thing. Uh, in uh, the Exodus, when the people were rescued, they shouldn't have yeast in their bread so that they would have nice, um, uh, so that they could leave quickly. But it's, so it's often uh, something like sin. But it is kind of this little thing, you can't see it, but it has this influence all through the bread. Maybe if Jesus was speaking now, he would talk about a virus, right? It just, you know, you can't see it, but it goes all around and infects everything. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And, well, uh, verse 12 says that's the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. But you hear that and you think of official teaching, right? Like the official doctrine. But, look, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees are completely different groups. Right? The, the, the Pharisees, they add to Scripture. The, the Sadducees take away from Scripture. They only believe the first five books. Uh, the, the Pharisees believe in the resurrection and angels and all that stuff. And the Sadducees believe none of them. What is their teaching that they have in common? Well, it's this unbelief. Their, their opposition to Jesus, that is, that, is, that is what Jesus is warning about. Right? And how can these, because that's what these two groups have in common. Like in the UK, uh, there are still some traditions where schools have to, um, 
you know, have a Christian worship service. And there's always opposition by Muslims and atheists. They have nothing in common except they don't want Jesus. And so that's what Jesus is warning about. Watch out for their unbelief. But the shocking thing is, would you think the disciples need that? Surely they're the disciples, right? They're in the boat with Jesus. They're not like the Pharisees, are they? They're the good guys. Well, how is their faith? I mean, these guys, they've been with Jesus and they do some good things, right? Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. And yet, what do you think of them? What do you think of them? Well, even last week, with the feeding of the 4,000. And imagine that a few weeks ago, you were present at the feeding of the 5,000, right? You were in the desert. Uh, there's 5,000 men, plus women, plus children. There's like 10 to 20,000 people, and they have no food. But Jesus says, that's fine. Little lunch. You guys have everyone sit down and feed. And you, and you go around with one loaf of bread, and you feed a 1,000 people from just a loaf of bread. And afterwards, you fill up, you know, the disciples' one basket full of food. Wouldn't you think this is so amazing? Ooh, wow, Jesus can do this. Well, a few weeks later, you're in Gentile territory, uh, same situation. Here's a desert, here is 4,000 men plus women plus children. They don't have food. Yeah, Jesus calls, calls you and he says, hey, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. What would you say? Well, here's the disciples. His disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? What? Weren't you there a few weeks ago? Sure, this is Jesus. Hello, Where, why not enough bread? But hey, Jesus does it again. You know, here's the lunch. Go and feed everyone seven baskets full of food. Okay, a few days later, they're in a boat, 13 guys, no more, not 10,000 people. We don't have bread. We don't have bread. What's wrong with these guys, right? I mean, Jesus, he sounds almost angry, right? Can you hear how he rebukes them? Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? Right? Summarizing one sentence, what's wrong with you? I hope you can feel the question, what is wrong? Right? Why don't they get who Jesus is? It's, of course, it's not about bread. What do these feedings show? They show that Jesus is God's king, come to bring God's rescue. If they miss the bread, basically they're missing who Jesus is. Then that's so scary about the passage, right? Here are Jesus' closest followers. They're in the boat with him, but do they get who Jesus is? Now, who are they closer to? You know, some of the characters we saw, we've seen the Pharisees and their deliberate unbelief. And well, here's the Canaanite woman. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. You see those two. Who, where would you put the Pharisees, the, the, the disciples? I guess you'd put them in the middle, right? But if there's no middle, sound more like the Pharisees. And so how about you? That's what Jesus is asking. 
How about you? Well, certainly, I guess, we, we should be on guard, right? Uh, that's what Jesus goes for. Be on your guard against the yeast, right? Be aware of, of this influence. Beware of the, this, this unbelief and that, that you hear. And it doesn't have to be official teaching, an official book that you study. But we live in a world that is, well, that doesn't believe. And you hear that everywhere. You hear it, uh, you know, you watch movies, you watch TV. What is the underlying assumption? It is that Jesus doesn't really matter. Uh, that it doesn't matter, you know, as long as you love each other. Uh, that it doesn't matter if you, as long as you're sincere, if you're sincere, it doesn't matter what religion you follow, right? That is the big message, that, that we are just good and, and sincere. You know, you hear that uh, on TV, you hear it at school, depending on the school you go to, you can hear it from your colleagues in the workplace. And, and we just imbibe that, right? We, we hear that. It's, it's like this yeast that just works through the bread and can infect us. We need to, yeah. doesn't mean you should avoid that. You can never watch TV or anything like that. But we need to be aware, right? Be aware of the world you live in. Beware of the water you swim in. And so be, be discerning. Think about what you hear. Think about, uh, yeah, what you watch your assumptions, you know, if you watch TV, our girls don't like it, but we, we need to do it, right? So, you know, uh, can you watch this with Christian glasses? What was good here? Uh, what was not so good here? Uh, anything that's not really what the Bible says, that, that it's worth doing. Right? I know it's tiring, you know, often we watch TV because we don't want to think, we just want to switch off our brains. But that's a bad thing because, you know, might be a false sense of security, right? But then again, just avoiding teaching is not enough, right? Because it's not like the disciples are disciples of the Pharisees. They don't spend hours on YouTube watching the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They are with Jesus. Which means that this is something deeper, right? It's something personal, something in, in, their, in their hearts. Right? It's shocking. They're, they're with Jesus, but they don't get it. They come along with Jesus, they do everything, and yet they don't really believe. It's a danger for others of you. Maybe you're in a, in a Christian bubble, you know, Christian family, Christian school, Christian everything. You go along with everything. But do we really believe? Is there really a personal faith, right? Uh, in a crisis, what do you really believe? Here's the thing. Right? They would say, yeah, Jesus is the Son of God. But here's the crisis, no bread. Suddenly, it becomes clear. That they don't really believe. They don't really get who Jesus is. Right? Well, what is it for you? Well, when do you need to trust Jesus and find out that you don't? Maybe when you're tempted and actually, is Jesus really my king? Right? It, it's scary. You can be with Jesus. You can see all these miracles and, and not believe. That is what's happening with these disciples. And that could happen with us. Maybe the Pharisees, maybe they're not so bad after all. They are bad, but maybe we're no better. I think that's what Jesus is warning us about. Now, I have, that feels scary to me. And next week we're going to see more. Next week, oh, actually, what is the answer? How can we, if even disciples can't believe, how can we believe? But for now, let's just notice how Jesus is kind to them. Yes, these disciples, there's something wrong with them, but Jesus sticks with them. He doesn't leave them. With these guys, he, he doesn't you know, go to land and get out of the boat and leave them. He stays with them. He keeps teaching them. After all, why are these guys with Jesus? 
Ultimately, it's not because they saw Jesus and thought it was a good idea, right? Ultimately, Jesus came to them. He said, come follow me. Jesus chose them. They didn't choose him. It was his choice. Right? They're there by Jesus' sovereign grace and not their own efforts. And, and Jesus, well, if it's his plan, he's not going to give up. He's not going to change his plan, even when they don't believe. And that unbelief, well, it's a sin, isn't it? But Jesus came and died for sin. He came and, yeah, died for all their sins, including this unbelief. So that's our hope. Uh, let's be careful, let's be on guard, but ultimately, let's run to Jesus. If we are concerned about our faith, <laughs> the amazing thing is we can just go to Jesus. We can, we, we can come. We, we, we see unbelief, we see Jesus moving on, but if we come to him, if we trust him and look to him for grace, for help, uh, that is where our hope lies. So why don't I pray for us? Our Father, we come and we confess that uh, yeah, we need help. We need you to help us with our, our faith. Uh, we see how people can be so close to Jesus and yet far from him. We don't want that to be for us. We want to be on guard, and yet we know we need your help. We uh, don't want to uh, end up without you. So please be gracious to us. Please help us. Please do a work in us. And would we look to you? And would we be able to be your people in the world? Not because of us, not because of our work, but because of your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.